All right, we're going to be uh, starting a new series today, and uh, as you've probably seen from the signs out in the lobby and everything, it's called the ABCs, the financial freedom. And uh, as we, I look back over, and I, I just, this, this is a life-changing uh, series potentially uh, for us, and I'm excited about it. Uh, it's a bit unusual. Uh, a lot of times over our, um, our time together, we've devoted maybe a week or two weeks, you know, in preparation for this first and best offering. And that, that's pretty much the extent of what we've done a lot of, on our teaching as far as on giving, on finances, things like that. Probably we'd have to go back almost 13 years to when we did a, a campaign called Moving Mountains that we spent a little bit, bit more time. And, you know, there's a part of me that almost has to apologize for that because this is such an essential area of our life. Would you not agree? It's just so fundamental to who we are and how we, how we function. And God's, God's got, uh, got ways that we... Uh, that we are prescribed to, to live, live according to. And I just think it's a matter of teaching. And so, so I'm excited about this. You know, we are living in some interesting times. Would you not agree? Amen. <laughs> these, these are, that's one way of putting it, interesting times. Uh, you know, when it comes to the economy, it's kind of like the old rock and roll song, I've lived in good times and bad times. You know, I've had my share. And we're, we're happening to be probably on the, on the better times as far as economically. I don't know about you, but there are probably more signs that say now hiring than I've ever seen, uh, that I can ever remember. I uh, heard this week that our unemployment is a 50-year low, and uh, you know, that's good. But, but here's the reality. In light of that, that climate that we're in, I, I sense that there are more people struggling in this area of finances than at any other time that I've known. And you wonder, why is that? Why is that? Um, I, I immediately, I begin to think about God's word in Proverbs where he says, uh, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, let me paraphrase this, it just doesn't work out so well for you, okay? And, and I think that, that this is probably at the core is a lot of us have, have attitudes or approaches or thoughts with regards to this subject that might not line up to where God's word is. And so what we're going to be doing the next several weeks is we're going to be taking a deeper dive, probably as deep as we've ever gone. And we've got some supporting material uh, that we're going to provide and we've already provided for you. We'll talk about in just a moment. But today I want you to turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. All right. We're going to be in 1 Chronicles 29. And we do have some Bibles as usual available. And you can certainly uh, take, take advantage of that. Here's a few of the things as we're just kind of marking the next four weeks. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to pick up a copy, this is a free copy that we're making available to every family here at North Shore. This is a workbook that's going to go alongside what we're going to be talking about. Barry Cameron, who is a mutual friend uh, of mine, uh, who's the author here, has provided the material kind of in this fashion, the workbook. In the back, there's a, I think they have the CD. I'm not sure if the, these include that or not. But if you haven't got this, take advantage of it. This week, you're going to be in the first chapter called Attitude. This is what we're going to be talking about this morning. And if you want to walk through this as a couple or as an individual, whatever, then I encourage you to pick one up after the service if you never got one in the last two weeks. There's a companion book that we have available. We're not going to have them out in the table anymore. We have a few left over and just put an extra five bucks or something in your next offering or whatever. But we want you to get these materials so that you can take advantage of as much as possible. The other thing I'm going to ask is if you're not in a life group, get involved.
involved in one because we'll be kind of sharing with one another and encouraging one another along these lines. It really matters when you, when you begin to open up and you begin to walk through in a trusting, loving environment that uh, you can share, you can pray about these things, and you can, um, you can learn even more from the testimonies of others. Uh, so, so that's what we're looking at. I'm gonna ask you also, again, I think that this is, I, I don't like to overuse superlatives, all right? But this could be one of the most important series that I've ever taught here at North Shore. Uh, when I think about the impact that it can have on families and on individuals, if we will listen to what the Lord has to say to, him, to us, bring to him an open heart and an open mind with regards to this topic, God can transform us in some ways that, that are just nothing less than remarkable. Uh, I have a friend, pastor friend from the Phoenix area, that uh, he was up here this summer and we were talking, and uh, he, he also is a mutual friend of Barry Cameron, and I said, I said, Roger, I said, have you ever gone through this, you know? He said, we did it a couple of years ago. And he said, I gotta just tell you, he said, I was kind of nervous going into it, you know, because it's been that time, but he said, it was nothing short of revival in the heart of our people. And it got me excited. And ever since I heard him say that, I've been praying about this, that, that God would somehow take it and use it in just a profound way here at North Shore. I'm gonna give you a heads up. These next few couple weeks, um, I'm gonna probably share things about us in this area as a church and give you some details about us that we don't talk about very often. I want you to know uh, the realities, uh, some of our history, some of the things that we have done and we have put to practice, some realities of where, where we're at. I'm gonna probably share some things personally along these lines. My own experience, both on the positive side, maybe on some of the hard lessons that, that I've learned. But I, I just wanna be transparent, as transparent as possible uh, in this subject because, uh, because I just think God wants to do something uh, very uh, specifically. So. I'm gonna ask you, try your very, very best to be here for all four weeks. I, I think it, it, the consistency will make a difference. This week we're gonna talk about what can we do to really experience God's blessing uh, in our life, what, what changes can we make. Next week we're gonna talk about uh, the bondage of debt and how we can be delivered from that and the stress and the struggle that we, we often uh, experience. The third week we're gonna talk about our choices and some of the things that get us into the struggle and how we, what is the solution that we can get out. And the fourth week, the last week, we reserve for probably the most important step toward financial freedom of all. And you come that fourth week and we'll, we'll be talking about that, okay? I know that this is a sensitive topic. I, I just want you to be aware, I know that this is one of those things that folks come into with just a little bit of a, um, a fear and trembling maybe because it is such a personal area. And there are so many scenarios right here in this room that uh, they're almost endless. There are almost as many as there are people that are here. You've got different scenarios and different lenses that you're going to come through. I heard about one, one gal, uh, Mary, let's just call her, who inherited a million bucks and she married a, a man by the name of John and got married. Her problem was is that she consistently reminded him, she said, you know, uh, we wouldn't have what we have. They bought a beautiful home, you know. He said, we wouldn't have what we have if it wasn't for my money. 
Now think about that, how that would come across. You, we wouldn't have the furniture that we have, the beautiful things that we have if it wasn't for my money. We wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for my money. And he finally had enough. And he said, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your money either. <laughs> and I, there's all kinds of things. I have personally seen the difference that this makes. And a lot of times I go back to early in my ministry, uh, we had this experience where we went out and we went on a, an evangelism call. We went to this couple and they didn't happen to be married at the time. They were friends of a friend and they invited us in to just share. They'd never even been to our church, but they, opened, they were open to you know, us coming and sharing. And that night, the gal, Janine, she accepted Christ right there. And, and her, I guess you'd call him her boyfriend, you know, he looked and he goes, what? He says, you mean you just bought it just like that? I mean, so easily. And, and within the next three weeks, I had a chance to meet with him and he came to Christ. I had the privilege of marrying them. It was one of the most beautiful weddings I ever did because now they were coming to Christ. But one of the first challenges they had was in this financial area. It was just a mess. And they were in such debt and they began to be very open about this. And they said, you know, now that we're Christians, is there something that, that we can do? Is there something God, God would have us to do? And I thought, wow, what an open heart. Man, they got, as my friend used to call it, good saved. They got good saved. And Annette probably remembers the night that they came over to our house and they were sitting at our dining room table and they openly just taught, brought their checkbook and all their stuff and they laid it out there. And we just started walking through, through with them. And we started from some of the basics and they set some goals. In fact, if you get into the workbook this week, that's one of the things that you're going to address is just beginning to look at some of the perspective but also setting some goals, even for the next few weeks. And Russ and Janine did just that. And I remember also when they came back and they celebrated becoming debt free. They went out in debt to get the celebration that they had to celebrate their debt free, but that's beside the point, right? No, Russ became a financial planner and advisor, and he's still one to this day. And I just had a chance to reconnect with him just a few weeks ago when we were, we were up in Bellingham. You know, I, I've just seen that, and I, I, I desire that for everyone to experience what God has. There are ways that God has. So I just hope that you'll, uh, you'll join us on this journey. Um, if you're looking at your notes, this is the one thing before we pray and we just commit this, this whole next four weeks to him. If you're coming, I'm working with an assumption today, and that is that every one of us want to seek God's wisdom, that we want God's guidance, and that we want to know him as our provider, that he's the one who, who is providing whatever we have. We want God's wisdom, God's guidance, and his provision. And if we can bring a heart that is open to hear what he has, I just, I believe something even miraculous is gonna to begin to happen. We're gonna hear so many testimonies of folks that are going to be out of financial struggle, bondage even, and uh, be set free. So that, that's my prayer. So could we pray along those lines as we get started? Lord, we humbly bow before you today again, and we thank you. For your word, we thank you for the truth that you have uh, revealed to us in it. We thank you, Lord, that you have ways. And I, I know uh, to the best of our ability as we teach, that's, that's the first step. But the main step is, Lord, that we bring to you a heart that's determined to do what you tell us. It's one thing to be a hearer of the word. It's another 
to put it into practice. And so we're just asking humbly today that, that as we come to you, we, we will do just that, that, that we will bring a diligence, that we'll bring an obedience, a discipline even, uh, to the things that you reveal. I pray, Father, that, uh, that as we look ahead, we'll have an experience with you, your presence, your power, your provision in ways for some of us that we never have before. And so I'm just looking forward to that unfolding. Just uh, submit this to you today and we trust you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, let's take a look at First Chronicles as we start. First uh, Chronicles 29. It's an interesting section, a little, uh, little context here, a little background. David uh, is near the end of his life, okay? He has been a blessed man of God and he uh, blessed in many ways including materially, because now when it came time to build the temple, which he wasn't allowed to build, by the way, okay, due to some of his past, and he wanted to, he had a heart to, but God said, no, it's not going to be you, it's going to be your son, Solomon, that's going to build it. So when the time came for them to kind of collect all the resources to carry that out, it says that David himself personally brought 110 tons of gold, now think about that. In today's uh, economy, or today's dollars, that would be about a half a billion dollars worth. 110 tons, 260 tons of silver and jewels and, and other things that, that he brought as an offering. And, and so if you're looking at your note in 1 Chronicles uh, 29, verse 10, I want you to just pick up at verse 10. Listen to the heart of David as he as he just kind of acknowledges where this all came from. He says, therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Isn't that quite an acknowledgement? Everything in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as the head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise you Praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to thus to offer willingly for all things come from you and of your own have we given you. I don't know if you picked up on that last verse. He's basically saying, you're the one who's given us everything that we're now able to give back to you. If you were here last week, do you remember last week our whole theme was we are blessed to be a blessing. And we looked at three stories. One of them was Hannah, who was unable to have a child, but God blessed her with a son, Samuel. But she committed, even before God gave him to her, she committed him back to the Lord. And he became, uh, you know, an amazing prophet that God used. In fact, it was Samuel who identified David as the anointed one, okay? And we, we saw David as an example when he gave the drink offering, and we saw the woman who broke the jar and poured out the perfume. God blesses us, he puts it in so that we can in turn give it back. And that's just what David is affirming here. He says, for all things come from you and of your own 
have we given it to you? Okay? So this tremendous um, you know, offering that David has made to the Lord, he's just saying, God, this came from your hand in the, in the first place. And the place where we start, the foundation of, of all of this topic, it all starts with our attitude toward God. Everything really rises or falls on our attitude. Would you not agree? I, you know, one of the brothers, I remember a few weeks ago, I was flying with him and he's got this roller bar and it's called the attitude, you know, the, and it adjusts whether you're going up like this or whether you're down like this. And I just always think about that, you know, when they're, when they're just kind of trying to keep things, you know, adjust the attitude. And that's what we need to do is to make sure that our attitude is in the right place. David's attitude reveals that he believed that God was a source of it all. He was sovereign. Everything, he says, all is yours. Wealth and honor are all coming from you. And this is such a fundamental fact because at that foundation of acknowledging that God is God, and I'm not, God is the one who, who, who owns it all. He says, everything in heaven and earth are yours. Um, this, is, this is what is at the basis of it, okay? And so what I want to do for the rest of our time this morning, I want to walk, and if you've, you've kind of glanced at some of the materials, you know that, that we address this in that, that first uh, chapter of, called Attitude, that's the A of the ABCs, is our attitude. What today we want to do is just consider some of the lies that we have come to believe, okay? There are lies that are out there that we got to kind of blow the myth out, all right? We got we to expose them for what they are. They sound believable. They sound like they're true, but they're not, okay? So we're going to first look at a few of those, and then we're going to turn around and look at the truths based on God's word that sometimes sound like lies. They sound like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know if that, that's true or not, but they are. And so we want to affirm uh, some of that. So let's look at it. If you have your note, the, the first one, and we're, we're just going to get this one out of the way, Okay? The first one that we've all probably heard folks say is, all the church ever talks about is money. Have you ever heard that? Colleagues, friends, you know, if they're kind of on the out, outside looking in. Where does that come from? Where does it come from? You know, Annette and I were talking about this uh, just a day or two ago, and, and I, I just had this suspicion that it has largely come from the media, from the, the I hate to put them in a category, but the TV preacher, Right? And, and there's a reason for that. Uh, as, as that whole phenomenon unfolded over the, the past number of decades, when, when TV became a medium, God has used that in a, in a powerful, powerful way. But here's what happens, is that it costs a lot of money to conduct that kind of ministry. So the message might be there, but 20 or 30% of the time, they're gonna have to hit, hit us hard, you know, to be able to pay for the airwaves. And so if you're a non-believer, if you're somebody that's not connected with the church at all, and you just happen to tune in as they're making that pitch, and that's all you hear, what kind of conclusion are you going to come to? If you don't go to church, if you're not involved in the church, but that's all you see that represents the people of God, then why would you not come to the conclusion that's all they talk about? Because that, that's the impression that you get. Now, I'm going to tell you straight up. I don't believe that that's true here at North Shore. In fact, just a few moments ago, I was almost apologetic that we don't talk enough about it. You've probably heard that Jesus in his teaching, if you look at the whole body of his teaching through the, new, uh, the Gospels, he, he taught more about this subject of money than he did of salvation and prayer and heaven and hell all put together. 
If you just look at the number of verses that are devoted to that topic. So it's not something that he refrained from. But I'll also tell you something. There's a lot of preachers. I don't think I'm one of them, all right? But there are a lot of preachers because of that very notion, that, that myth that oh, all the church does. So what do they end up doing? They react to that and then they don't talk about it at all. They never teach on it at all. And, uh, and this is just a reality. This is a reality. And we buy into it and then, and then we kind of back off of that. And I just think the Lord wants to kind of bring us in, into the truth that this is an important topic. It is something that is worthy of our conversation and our teaching. Something came to my awareness. This is one of those times, by the way, that I just want to give you a little look under the hood here at North Shore. For a number of years, for many years, I've always felt like as your pastor, your spiritual leader, that we were at least average, if not above average, with regards to our giving. A lot of that notion was based upon statistics, that, uh, just data that I gather in my own thinking. I look at numbers and I look at uh, proportions and things like that. Came to some conclusions about that. I've talked to colleagues of mine, other pastors, and when they tell me kind of the realities that they're at, and I, I kind of compare, you know, and I've just always felt, you know what? Uh, we're doing pretty good. And I'm, I'm telling this almost in a form of confession because that had something to do with maybe my not teaching as much or as often on this topic. Because I felt like, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good in this area. There's other areas that we can concentrate on. And Last November, we got some, uh, some data from a survey that we took. Do you remember that, the assessment? That was the most comprehensive thing we'd ever done like that here. Uh, I think there were over 750 of you that participated in that. that and that was an amazing proportion for us uh, from, from what our consultant had shared. Well, as she was un unveiling kind of the data and, and some of the things that we, we were about and, and what we were about, one of the statistics there that uh, this was all um, anonymous, of course. You know, there weren't names on these, but, but there was a question about the potential of our giving. There was a number. And the number that we put our, our actual giving against that number, that it revealed that North Shore gives about 1.6% of our potential. And that's just from what we've shared, you know, just in the information that we shared. 1.6%. And then when she said, you know, that, that, um, that average that I typically see in all the churches that I do with is closer to 2.4%. And that was the first time that I kind of came to a point of reality that thought, wow, there, there's a tremendous potential here that, that perhaps that we're not realizing. And when I did the numbers and the math about what difference that would make, here's what I've been praying I've been praying what would happen if we just moved the needle to 2%, not 2.4, but just to 2%, the difference that would make in our annual uh, ability to carry out the, the ministry, the resources here, would be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, just to move it to 2%. And so, you know, as, as the Lord lays on our heart as we walk through this together, we just see that. I, I think about opportunities that we have. One came our way just in the last week. I just had shared it just a few days ago with the elders from one of our partners over in Scotland. He was here this summer, Brian Ingram. You know Brian? And they, God has just been blessing their ministry in one of the darkest parts, uh, not only the United Kingdom, but anywhere. I mean, there is just such a small number of people that, uh, that worship the Lord there. 
160,000 students that are right in the shadow of their ministry, and they're one of the few evangelical churches even there. A new church has opened up, an opportunity for this church, this huge, beautiful church that's empty. And they put a bid in it, and they got, they won the bid. I wanted to report that to you. He he had mentioned that, that possibility. And so now, I mean, this beautiful facility that they they can see as being a ministry tool for the Lord, but now he's just letting us know, and there's a need. And I would love to be in a position to just be able to say, wow, you know, we want to come alongside, and we want, to, we want to make a difference with that. And I don't know, we might still do that. This is something that's just fresh, and I don't know how the Lord's going to lead, but, but um, when I go back to that promise in Malachi where he said, bring in the whole tithe to the storehouse and see if I won't pour out this, this blessing. The storehouse, in case you're not aware, is, I think, the place where you derive your spiritual nourishment. That's, for most of you, that's here at North Shore. That's the storehouse. And that little quote down at the bottom of your note there, it says, I believe that God's intentions was a church would be the storehouse, not the poorhouse. <laughs> All right? He intends for the church to be the place where when needs just like this example or something local, Last night, you know, when I was getting ready to come in, into the service, I just got an email from a gal and was having a hard time meeting her, her rent. And I, uh, you know, and, and I don't particularly oversee or monitor you know, our benevolence. I know that you give and, and we carve out significant funds. But I just stop and I think, you know, just to be able to do those kinds of things, we should be the storehouse to be able to, you know, to bless that way. So that's some of the reality that we look at. But it all goes back to some of the notion that, oh, well, that's all we talk about. I'm just trying to be transparent with you as a spiritual leader that sometimes that, um, that monitors even the teaching or the amount of the teaching or the level of the teaching. Just one of the realities. Here's the second one. The second one is uh, that money and things will satisfy me. It's a myth. It's not true. We think if we, if we gain this, or we buy this, or, or we get down to this particular point, then suddenly I'm gonna be content, I'm gonna be satisfied, but you know, uh, we, we sometimes just keep moving things a little farther, a little farther. Once you think you attain that or whatever, you find it just didn't, it didn't live up to its promise. You ever experienced that? There's just always a little bit more, something a little bit different. Friends, the bottom line is, only God is gonna be able to truly satisfy us. Do you agree with that? He's a true source of our contentment, of our satisfaction. As I think about uh, Solomon, is the one that wrote this Ecclesiastes, he said, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is, is vanity. And so this is another one of those, um, those myths, those lies that we've kind, kind of come to believe. Here's the third one I want to share. It's my money and I can do whatever I want with it, okay? It's my money, I'm gonna do whatever I want with it. Now, you know, in one respect, that may be true, and that may be the approach or maybe the thought. I happen to believe that's one of the attitudes that has to be adjusted if we're gonna start experiencing this freedom and the blessing that God has for us. It's, we've gotta start reshifting our, our thoughts. And we've already shared a couple of verses from David's own lips, you know, that he, th- he acknowledged everything was God. God poured out an unbelievable, I mean, think about it. How would you like to be able to give 110 tons of gold to the building of the temple? I would say God had blessed this man. And he was a man after God's heart. What did David say? Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
the world and those who dwell therein. You know, some, something fundamentally was true in David's thinking, and that is it's not his. Uh, I, I share this often, but I think it's worth reinforcing. When we use the word Lord, there are a couple, two or three different words in the Greek that, that are for that word. One is kurios, you know, that, that's kind of got the majesty part of that. But the one we most commonly use is the word Adonai. And Adonai literally means owner. Do you know that? When we say you're the Lord, it means you're the owner. It is yours. I'm just a steward of what you, um, you own. And I think that that's what the, uh, the heart of what David is talking about there. Um, Jesus, he told a story about a man who kind of had that attitude. It's mine. I'm going to do what I want. And so it said he built barns. You remember the story? And he just kind of loaded them up. And he thought, okay, if I get enough stuff and I put it aside, man, then I'm gonna, I'll be happy and I'll be able to do whatever I want to do. And here was Jesus' words to him. He said, you fool, this night your soul is requested of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, he's not saying don't save, okay? This is not what that's saying. He didn't say don't prepare for retirement, and that's that R word that I said I wouldn't talk about, right? Um, He's not saying don't prepare that way, but he's saying don't put your trust in those things at the expense of being rich toward God, of acknowledging that it is God who is at the, the source of it all. That's all. I think that's all he's saying, and he's reminding us of that. So what are, what are some truths that sound like lies? Okay? What does God's Word say? If we're going to humbly seek God's wisdom his guidance, and to understand and know him as our provider, and we go to his ways, we go to his word, what are we going to discover? Well, the list is long. I'm just going to lift out two or three of these. But, but I think at the basis of all this, when it comes to attitude, the big shift has to happen along these lines, and that is that it's God who is the one who determines how much money I have. It is not me. Do you believe that fundamentally? It is God who has determined what you have, not me. As I look at uh, Deuteronomy, going back to Moses' uh, wisdom and advice that he passed on to the people early on in their walk with God, he said these words, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may be, uh, confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, as it is to this day. It's pretty basic. It's saying, what's the source? It's, it's, it's the one. And friends, I mean, just think about this. Think about the precipice that we live on, health-wise. Um, you know, the culture, the the economy, all these things that are variables that we, we walk through this life. And, and, and just think about the arrogance that it is, it re represents to say, oh, I'm the one who creates this. I'm the one who makes this, this happen. It just, it, uh, it really is at the height of, of the nature of what we call sin. I was, and I were talking earlier this morning, and I, the, 
just talking to the Lord about this whole subject about sin and that, that when Jesus did what he did and what the gospel's all about, the good news, is that he not, didn't come to save us from our sins, in other words, from the acts of sins. He came to save us from the inherent hereditary nature of sin. He's the only one, and the Bible is the only one that talks about being able to address that fundamental way that we're wired up, the nature. And I, I, this morning, I was, just talk, I was saying, this subject we talk about, we can talk about the wisdom of this and the truth of this, but friends, if we don't address that fundamental pride that is in here, that arrogance that is in here, and only Jesus can do that, his redemption with the Holy Spirit that replaces that nature we inherited from Adam, he, he replaces us with the Holy Spirit that now we can be holy, now we can think like him, now we can walk in step with his ways. But apart from that, friends, uh, it, it will always fail. We can't do it on our own. And, and, and we're just so dependent upon that. I know that, you know, I look at our story, Annette and mine's, uh, from the very start of our marriage, now 37 years ago, going to be 38 this year. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> She's in this service. Whew. That's what happens when you do things extemporaneously. Sometimes you don't get it right, but, but we have we committed to tithe ever since. And all I can testify is my experience in 38 years that God has never failed to, to, be, to honor his promise. But when I think about this, I, I thought this precipice, there was one season that stands out in this whole journey when, when we hit a, a real tough time and it was just uh, at the end of my previous ministry and things kind of came crashing down all of a sudden. I've, I've talked to you much about it, and I kind of summed up that period of my ministry that the work of God had crowded the life of God out of me. We had nine, ten pastors that were directly reporting to me. We were going through a building relocation. We were starting a school, and just everything just kind of came crowding in, and my heart just shrunk. And, you know, when that happens, sometimes you just try harder, and you get defensive, and sometimes you even get angry, and the Lord just, boom, he pressed the pause button. Just, just in one night, press the pause button. It was the most painful time that I think I've ever been through. Here I got four children. I had one in college at the time, and boom, it all came to an end. Now, these leaders, you know, and I, I, I know that I questioned their motives and all that, but they gave me one year severance so that I didn't have to immediately worry about the next week or the next month what, what we were going to do. There was a little bit of a pause. There was a breather. And it took several weeks. In fact, it took several months to, to kind of recapture uh, that healthy place in my own heart. And I remember it was almost five months, maybe six months, that I pulled away and said, okay, Lord, what is the next chapter going to look like? I remember going to North Carolina to, to a home that somebody made available, and I spent a, a, almost a full week just concentrating, just, just, Lord, what are you saying? What do you want to say? And what emerged was this, this thought about planting a church. And I made a connection with one person I knew that I had built a, a relationship with. He was the former pastor of Overlake Christian Church, Bob Moorhead. And he was in Florida at the time. And I, I remember calling him and saying, could I stop by and talk to you about church planting? Because I knew he had planted several churches around the Puget Sound. And as a uh, I just remember the, 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 the kind of sparkle in his eyes. He talked about this one church that they started in a high school and they set up 350 chairs and 850 people showed up the first Sunday. 
And I was going, man, I want to be part of something like that. And I'm driving home thinking, that's what I'm going to do. Little did I know that three weeks later, that I'd be up the road speaking at a family camp, and a family, after the first service, came up and said, boy, it'd be great if you could be our new pastor. And, and I asked them to tell me about your church. I'd been from Whatcom County. I'd pastored in Whatcom County. And I, I kind of listened to the, and the, the church they were describing. didn't sound like one of the churches I was familiar up there. And they said it was North Shore Christian Church. And all of a sudden, a little light bulb went out and said that was the church he, that Bob had described as starting in that, that high school. And, and so came down, and one thing led to the other. That was in August of 2003. And I just share this as a testimony. I didn't know what God was going to do. It was one of the, the big question marks of my life, my journey in ministry. But the day I started at North Shore as your pastor, March the 10th, 2004, was literally the last day of the one-year severance. It was the exact same time. God wasn't too late. God wasn't too early. And he rarely is. Do you know what I'm saying? But our God is God. And I say that as a testimony that, friends, it is not in our power, it is not in our strength, it is not what we are going to bring. We've got to begin to make an adjustment that it is God who is going to determine that path and to trust Him for that and to walk in step with that in tangible way to where we express that, even by setting aside what He does provide, great or small. That's why it's proportionate. It's not literal. It's proportionate giving. And so that's one of the, the truths. Here's another truth. <laughs> that God has the power to shut down my source of income. <laughs> do you believe that? He's got the power to do that. You want to do it on your own? Okay, bud, go ahead and, and you do it on your own and see where that takes you. See what that, okay, try that out. Kind of like my friend Bill who shared the testimony last night. The harder he worked, it just seemed like he was just backing up a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And he just, he just saw very clearly that God was just trying to, to nudge him toward the place. Trust me, I am, I'm deeply in love with you. I'm your heavenly father. I, wanna, I want that relationship with you. But if you, if you choose to do that, you know, God, God, can, God can get our attention. The story I was bringing here was uh, the story of Daniel. <laughs> and uh, Nebuchadnezzar, maybe you recall, you know, Nebuchadnezzar is the guy that told Daniel, you better worship this 90-foot statue of me or else you're going to get thrown into the lion's den. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened because he wouldn't do it. And God uh, delivered him out of that. Well, Daniel's talking to Nebuchadnezzar and he's saying, King, man, you, you got a proud heart. You're pretty arrogant here. And he said, here's God's word to you. If you don't change your ways... You're going to become like an animal. You're going to, you're going to be like a cow out in the, the field, and you're going to eat grass for seven times. Now, we understand those times usually to be years. So for seven years. And the king is saying, what? Do you know who I am? I'm Nebuchadnezzar. My empire is the greatest empire in the world, and I'm, I'm over all of this. But you know what happened? And so it came to pass that Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind and he found himself out in the fields eating grass. It said his fingernails became like bird's claws. You got the picture? And he's out there. He's, he's crazy. He's, he's insane. 
And for seven years he was that way. And then all of a sudden it's like, poof, man, the light bulb came back on and God restored it. And listen to Nebuchadnezzar's own words. He says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. I'd say amen. He knows it better than anybody, doesn't he? He can humble us. And, uh, and that's, that's, again, going back to the wisdom of, of Solomon in Proverbs. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So do we believe that? Is that true? Um, one last one I want to pass on to you. And, and it is simply this, that it, that it is giving to the Lord. It is giving that is going to be the only way toward financial freedom. That's, that's the path that he prescribes for us, is to acknowledge him, uh, to set him aside, set him apart, and to adjust my attitude in light of the things that we, we see revealed here that, that I need to kind of shift and I need to adjust to, to acknowledge that he is the source of it all. I am dependent, I'm utterly dependent upon him. I'm going to trust him with everything that I've got. Friends, I tell you, if you walked in this morning, you find yourself perhaps in that place of struggle, and I know that not everybody is there. This is just going to be maybe a reaffirmation of some truths you've already put into practice and you're experiencing uh, this. And if you're one of those, by the way, would you pray for your brothers and sisters around you? We don't know what's going on, but I do know this. There's a lot of folks who are in a very, very difficult place. And I'm not going to make any assumptions about the backdrop or the experience of the background, whatever. All I know is God's word is true. That's all I know. That he is trustworthy, and if we stand upon that word, Jesus himself said this, give and it will be given to you. I know that maybe that passage has been abused, but friends, that's not going to stop me from preaching it and boldly believe in it. Give and it will be given to you. And not just a little bit. He's not going to just dole it out a little bit here. He says, press down, shaken together, pouring out abundantly. He's going to give. And that's his promise to us. You're not going to get to that place of freedom that what this whole series is about, where we're going, is taking us to a place of freedom so that we're more freed up to worship the Lord, not have to worry, not to wake up in the middle of the night and worry about these struggles, but the freedom to just focus upon the Lord and, be, and to be a blessing to Him. You're not going to get there by spending your way toward that freedom. You're not going to get there by cheating your way or stealing your way or begging your way to freedom or gambling your way to that freedom. These are all devices that the that the enemy would love to, us to employ, thinking somehow that that's what's going to lead us there. There's only one thing, what the Scripture teaches, what God's way is, and that is to give your way to freedom. So here's my ask today. In this whole topic of attitude, if there was one thing that, that we could kind of sum it up, it would be this, and you see it down at the bottom of your note, that my attitude would be to trust God in all that that encompasses, trust God and begin giving faithfully, systematically, and generously each week so that God will be praised. We want God to be glorified. I want him, 
I want him to be just so praised because he sees in the hearts of his people that trust and that willingness to just obey what he's prescribed. And I want that for our church. My prayer is, is, is that North Shore is going to be in the healthiest possible place in the coming uh, months. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, a couple weeks ago, we announced that, uh, that we're moving in this period and season of transition. And just got to remind you, by the way, it's October of next year, all right? It's not next week. But, uh, but in a weird sort of way, it's given me a freedom to, to share, maybe with a boldness. Because I think, what are you going to do, fire me? You know? <laughs> I mean, think about that. I, I'm finding, I, I pulled away this week to do some planning in the teaching for the next several weeks, next, next several months, actually, and I found myself thinking, okay, all right, what do we need to focus in on? What, what do the people need, uh, just fundamentally, to get us in the best, most healthiest possible place? And this is one of those. God is glorified when we do the things we've talked about today. I know that. It's, it's just true. And so it's up to us to adjust ourselves. And are you willing to do that? Are you willing to bring a, a heart that is willing to say, God, it's yours. <laughs> I'm yours. Everything that I am, everything that I inspire, aspire to be, it, it, it's all yours. All right? And, um, and I'm just going to invite you to pray with me. Stick with us through these weeks. Pray for this. Please, please, please pray that God will be blessed, God will be honored, and we're going to have a great celebration to see what God does. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Let me pray. The worship team is going to come and close us in a song about the goodness of our Father. We're just going to celebrate that, but let's pray first. Lord, uh, today, as we, uh, again, in all humility, we bow before you, we acknowledge uh, that your word is true, and we stand upon the promises of that word. I pray for the friends that have gathered here today. Lord, for those uh, who have, have been with you for, for some time, many years, and maybe have experienced, like, like Annette and myself, for decades, that this is something we've practiced and we, we have a testimony of your faithfulness. Your word even says, I've never seen those who are, are, have been faithful in this way ever to be left, ever to be abandoned. And, uh, and I, could, I could say the same. But Lord, there, there are others who are newer in this walk, newer in the faith, and some of the things that we've touched on today might be sensitive. And, and our initial response is to, to kind of recoil or, or kind of step back. And I just pray, Lord, that we'll have, again, the wisdom to be able to say, okay, is that in your word? Is that true? Do I believe that? And for us to come to terms with that, that we trust you as our loving, heavenly Father. God, I, I also pray, because as we mentioned earlier, uh, it, apart from the spirit of Jesus Christ being in our, our being, in our, our core, like Damien said, our temple that, that, that embodies that, uh, that Holy Spirit, um, that our nature is not going to change, that we're going to kind of default back into the pride and back to the self-sufficiency and just, just those ways. So if there's a person here, Lord, today that has never trusted you for the salvation that you, you have brought to us, that you bought and paid for when you died on the cross at Calvary. That would be the place to start because everything else we would say would just, would just kind of go right over our heads. It would never, never be able to be applied unless the Spirit dwells within us. If somehow that resonates with where you're at and you've never 
willfully, consciously uh, said to the Lord, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Today I repent of them. Uh, I'm inviting you to come into my heart, my life, and to live there, to make that your, your home for the rest of my life. I'm inviting you to come in. I'm trusting you today for my salvation. If you've never prayed that prayer, why not do it today? Why not start off at that, that very beginning point and just begin to see what he does, the change that he'll make, the life that he will give you, the abundance that he promised. Begin to experience all that, that, uh, that he's made available. I just pray that over our, our folks, God, and that we won't go away from here without settling that first issue. We love you today. We give our hearts to you, and we worship you as our loving Heavenly Father. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.